we believe that in the person of Jesus Christ, the divine and human natures are united so that he is truly and properly God and truly and properly man. So we're continuing on our sermon series in the doctrines of the Salvation Army, and we have uh, covered the first three, and today we're talking about the, the nature of Jesus himself. We won't get to the work of Jesus. That'll be in, in two weeks. Uh, but today we're just going to be talking about a, a little bit about the doctrine of the, the nature of Jesus Christ. And so as we can see right there, this is the doctrine of the Salvation Army uh, that is articulated. And it is simply that we believe that in Jesus, he is both fully divine and fu- fully human. And so we're going to be looking at that this morning. The doctrine of the person of Jesus Christ is central to the church. In the uh, first sermon in this series, or second sermon in the series rather, I asked you uh, about the nature of God and I said that if you ask yourself the question, who is God, uh, that it is a question that will formulate how you live your life. You're going to live your life differently based on who you believe that God is. If you believe there is a God, that stuff is going to change how you live your life. And in the same way, the question of who is Jesus is as equally important. Who you think the person of Jesus is is going to depend, uh, it's going to change rather how you worship him and, and the honor and that you decide should be given to him. And so in the Christian faith, we use two term- terminologies. One is uh, called high Christology and one is called low Christology. Neither one is bad, but both are used to describe the different aspects of Jesus. High Christology is about his divinity. So when you hear a sermon given on uh, Jesus doing miracles and Jesus uh, raising people from the dead and turning water into wine and really focusing on the divinity of Jesus, that is called a high Christology. A low Christology is when you hear a sermon given on uh, the humanness of Jesus, when Jesus uh, went to a person's funeral and he cried, when Jesus uh, got hungry and decided to sit down and have a meal with a person. Low Christology. Does this make sense so far? I'm not losing any of you? Because some of you look asleep. Now, I spent all of yesterday in the sun, so I'm a little asleep, so it's okay if you're all a little asleep too. Uh, but this is this is kind of exciting stuff for me as a nerd, so... Uh, We're going to start off simply by looking at low Christology and we'll move on to high Christology. Uh, But when we look at the humanity of Jesus, do you ever imagine Jesus as a kid? Uh, Wouldn't it be be interesting? Like we have this sort of mental picture that Jesus like just popped out, fully formed, you know, turning water into wine. But the reality is he didn't start his his, uh, missionary journey, his, uh, his, his work on earth. Uh, divine work until he was 30 years old, which means he had uh, a long time to grow up and and be a a human. So can you imagine Jesus uh, playing outside with his brothers, uh, you know, running around, being loud, family dinners? Can you imagine imagine that Jesus? Wouldn't that be be funny? What what I find interesting is scripture says that Jesus never sinned. So could you imagine growing up as Jesus's brother? Like most parents, whether they admit it or not, have favorites, Yes. Like, we can all agree to this. Uh, maybe, maybe you're a parent here and, and your favorite is in the congregation, so you don't want to admit to anything. But let's be honest, there is a favorite in every single household. Can you imagine growing up as James, the brother of Jesus? Like, most parents think that their kid is God's gift to earth. Mary just happened to be right, right? I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, can you imagine, you know, all right, who stole the cookies? 
who took the cookie out of the cookie jar, James, mom, why do you always go to me? Well, Jesus is perfect. He's not going to be doing it. Fine, I stole the cookie. I, I, just, I sympathize with James. I often make fun of my mother to say that, that my sister is actually her favorite and I'm not, so I sympathize with James. She'll argue that and say that she doesn't have favorites. She does, and it's my sister. I'm just saying, all right? So can you imagine? The, the reason that I'm, I'm sort of drawing this out is I think too often we, 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 don't, uh, we don't put a lot of emphasis on the humanity of Jesus, like, don't get me wrong, uh, Jesus is God, and we're going to get to that. There's a whole couple, I've got like 50 different Bible verses in here. If you don't believe me, I do. I might skip over some of them if you're, uh, if you're real good and you actually say amen and don't fall asleep in the back row. Amen. Just, just looking, looking back there, not calling anyone out by name, but I saw your eyes closing. The humanity of Jesus is important because it's how we relate to him on a, on a personal level. Jesus says, uh, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way that you and I was, but is common by man, yet was without sin, which means that Jesus never gave in to the temptation of sin, which is relatable to me, because I'm not sure about you, but there have been times in my life where I've given in to sin, where I've said, you know, that's the easy path. I don't want to struggle anymore. I don't want to fight. It's just easier if I just let this little one slide. Now, maybe you all are a whole lot holier than I am. But I think that we're all in this together. And sometimes, if we're honest, that temptation to sin is just a little bit easier than, than the, the struggle of doing good. And Jesus being fully human for 33 years and being tempted by sin in every way that you and I are, yet was without sin, gives us just that little bit of hope that through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can look at sin and we can actively choose to do things God, God's way rather than our way. How exactly, though, was Jesus human? Good question. I'm glad you asked. Uh, while going through the Gospels, I found, uh, I just sort of kept track in a list of the different things, uh, different ways that Jesus sort of uh, shown his humanity. So if you're an A-type personality, this is a list. If you like to write in the sermon notes, try and keep up because we're going to clip through these at a fast pace. Jesus was born as a woman, grew up as a boy, had a family, obeyed his parents, children. Jesus obeyed his parents. You can too. He worshipped God and prayed. Jesus worked as a carpenter, got hungry and thirsty. He asked for information. He was stressed, was astonished, was happy. Jesus told jokes. So I'm allowed to tell jokes from the pulpit. Again, I am not making eye contact with my wife. Jesus had compassion. He had male and female friends that he loved. He gave encouragements uh, and compliments. He loved children. He celebrated holidays. He went to parties, and he loved his mother. Jesus, when he was dying on the cross, there are seven words that he said that are often preached around uh, Good Friday, Easter time. Uh, the seven words of the cross, and one of them was that Jesus looked at the disciple that he loved and said, uh, son, here is your mother, mother, here is your son. Uh, he wanted to make sure that when he died, someone was going to take care of his mother. And it was so important to him that he said it from the cross. Jesus' humanity is clear throughout all of Scripture. 
And in every way that we can imagine Jesus being human, he was. And to me, that makes Jesus ultimately relatable. And it's important because if Jesus Christ was not fully man, if he was just God, then he would not have experienced the suffering and shame in the same manner that you or I would experience it. So follow this logic through to conclusion. If Jesus wasn't human, if he was only God, well, God doesn't feel pain in the same way that you and I do, right? Jesus isn't, God isn't walking around heaven and he doesn't stub his toe on the throne of heaven, right? That, that just doesn't happen. Uh, and so if Jesus wasn't fully human, then the cross would have meant nothing because his torture and death on the cross would have been irrelevant to him. Does that make sense, that train of logic? And so what happens is very often in church we, we zoom in on this high Christology look of Jesus and we ignore his humanity until it comes to around Easter time. It's really the only time we talk about it. Um, or maybe we talk about it a little bit at Christmas because he was born in a stable and, oh, that's a very human thing to do, being born. Jesus needed to be human so that he could experience life the way that humans experience life. Jesus was in every way fully human, and yet he was also fully God. Brings us to the the second point of today's sermon, fully God. And this is obviously what I referred to earlier, the study called high Christology. And so we look very closely at even his name and title. So we look at the name Jesus. Now, Jesus is the Greek version of the Hebrew name Joshua. So Here's just a little bit of fact. When Jesus was running around, people didn't call him Jesus. They called him Joshua because that was the Hebrew version of the Greek name. Our New Testament was written in Greek, so that's the name that came out. So Jesus' name actually was Joshua, which meant uh, uh, Jehovah or God is my salvation. And his title, Christ, uh, is not his last name. He, you know, his, his father Joseph wasn't Joseph Christ and Mary wasn't Mary Christ. Jo- uh, Christ was his title, and it simply means the anointed one in Greek. It's the same as the Hebrew Messiah. It means anointed one. So what his name fully means is God will save through his anointed one. And so that's what the name of Jesus actually means. So when we sing songs about there being power in the name of Jesus and there being strength in the name of Jesus, what we're actually saying is that the name of Jesus means that God will save through his anointed one. Even saying that there is power in his name is us praising God and drawing on the promise of Scripture that he will save us from our sins through Jesus. Does that not fill you with at least a little bit of an amen? Or am I preaching to seats? Amen. I've got a couple. All right, we'll go from there. Now, what's interesting is Jesus himself wasn't the only thing that claimed uh, uh, that Jesus was God, and we're going to go through a couple of these. So uh, other people outside of the Bible claim that Jesus was God. The Bible itself claims that Jesus is God, and Jesus claimed that he was God. And so we're going to look at this just a little bit closely. From outside of the Bible, there was a Jewish historian. His name was Josephus. He's a cool guy. Uh, He wrote something called the uh, Antiquities of the Jews. It was an exhaustive history of the Jewish people. Uh, He was not a Christian. He was not a follower of Christ. But he wrote this uh, about the time, life, and ministry of Jesus. Now, there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it is lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. 
he was the Christ. And when Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men amongst us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at first did not forsake him, for he appeared to them alive again the third day, as the divine prophets had foretold, these and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him, and the tribe of Christians so named from him are not uh, not extinct to this day. Josephus said that it is not even lawful to call him a man because of the divine nature that he held. The centurion who stood at the foot of the cross cried out during the execution of Jesus, surely this was the son of God. And in a very real historical context meant that Roman soldier could have been uh, executed for treason against the Roman emperors. The Roman emperors taught that they themselves were descendants from the gods and were the son of gods and anyone who claimed to the contrary would result in execution. So when that Roman centurion stood at the foot of the cross and said, surely this was the son of God, he was putting his own life at risk. The disciple Thomas, who often gets the label as doubting Thomas, which I think is a little unfair, not going to lie, because the other 11 disciples, uh, sorry, other 10 disciples, they doubted as well. But when Jesus appeared to them first, uh, Thomas wasn't amongst them. Just saying, Thomas gets a bad rap here. But Thomas himself in John 20, uh, 24 through 29, when he sees that Jesus is alive and well, and by the way, walking through walls and locked doors, I'm not sure if you noticed that about that particular thing that Jesus appears in a locked room. Uh, Thomas falls down on his knees and says, my Lord and my God. And Thomas was an Orthodox Jew, which meant by claiming that someone else was God, he should have been punished by death. So people... Uh, people said that Jesus was God. And more than that, the Bible itself says that Jesus was gone. In 1 John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, one, was God. And then further on in that scripture, it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen the glory of the Father, the glory of the one and only Son, full of grace and truth. The first book of John lays out in express details that Jesus Christ was and is God. Jesus himself said that he was God in scripture. He said things like, if you had known me and you would have known the father also from now on, you do not know him and have seen him. He said to Philip, Lord, uh, Philip said to him rather, Lord, show us the father and it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak with my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Jesus said in John 10.30, I and the Father are one. Jesus said, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on accounts of the works themselves. If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, and even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Wow, I really did put a lot of Bible verses in here. I've got another 20 in here. Let's just skip them all. Let's skip to here. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they said to him, Are you Son of God then? And he said to them, You say that I am... And interestingly, when Jesus was in front of the Sanhedrin, the chief priest looked at him dead in the face and said, are you the son of God? Tell me plainly. And Jesus said, I am. 
And the chief priest rend his clothes. He tore his garments from top to bottom and said, This man is guilty of blasphemy. You've heard it from his own mouth that he claims to be God. So, so people outside of Scripture said that Jesus is God. Uh, uh, people uh, in Scripture said Jesus is God. Jesus himself said Jesus is God. Interestingly, demons in Scripture said that Jesus is God. When, when Jesus was confronting the demons that was in uh, a man and he had over a hundred, uh, sorry, over a thousand demons in him, uh, the demons themselves said, why are you approaching a son of God? It's not yet time for you to do your work to us. And Jesus said, be silent and come out of him. So even demons recognize that Jesus Christ is God. And so it leads us to a simple conclusion that I did not come up with. This was something articulated by, by C.S. Lewis. When you look at the life of Jesus Christ, Jesus was either telling the truth, Jesus was either lying, and he wasn't God and knew it, or he was crazier than Cocoa Puffs. Let's be honest. Those are really the only three options to deal with Jesus Christ. Uh, a lot of people will say uh, Jesus was a, a good man. He was a prophet, a powerful man, a wise man, but I don't think he was really God. Uh, the people who followed the Islamic faith believe that Jesus was a prophet. They don't believe that he was God incarnate. Uh, there are people in today's church who believe that Jesus was subservient to the Father and rather than being one in true essence with him. And so really, when I said to you at the beginning of this sermon that you needed to come up with the answer to the question, who is Jesus? These are on, really only the three explanations that you can come up with. Jesus was either telling the truth, and he is, in fact, fully God and fully human. Jesus was a liar, and he wasn't God, and he knew it. Or he was a lunatic. Is Jesus Lord? Is he a liar? Or is he a lunatic? And each one of you have to answer that question in and of yourself. So you can come to, to church all you want. You can listen to podcasts with sermons. You can sing all of the songs that you want to sing. But in the, at the end of the day, you need to ask yourself the question, do you know who Jesus is? In your life, is he Lord? Is he a liar? Or is he a lunatic? And the way you answer that question is going to directly shape and change the way that you live your life. Because if Jesus was a liar and he, he wasn't God and he knew it, then you can't trust anything that he said, which means you can't trust the promises of Scripture. If Jesus was crazy, then it meant when Jesus said things like, I will be with you always to the very end of the age, well, it means that he's not. And he, he was doing good works and he was healing people and, and having miracles. But it, it meant at the end of the day that he was just a crazy person, raving and ranting at the wind. But if Jesus was telling the truth, if Jesus is Lord, then answering that question for yourself changes the way that you live your life. It means that when he made promises in Scripture, it means those promises are available to you and me today. It means if when Jesus gave instruction in Scripture and said, do it this way, means that he meant it and that you and I should be following those scriptural commandments the way that Jesus said to follow them today. This question that we believe that Jesus Christ is both divine and fully human. That in Jesus the divine and human natures are united so that he is truly and properly God 
and truly and properly man. This doctrine will change the way that you live your life if you're honest and you let Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time you've given us to come into your presence today and to worship you. I pray, Lord God, that you be with each one of us as we go from this place and that you help us in our lives answer the question, who is Jesus? That we can ask ourselves whether or not Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, or if he is truly Lord over our lives. We love you, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.